welcome back. Welcome to episode two of Narsol the Lonely Monster, Narsol Escape Tools. Um, we're here, we're looking at random questions from Quora and answering them in a podcast format. Because, well, why not? And not that I'm looking for any sympathy, but I've got a really, really knackered arm. Um, and I'm struggling to type now. So this is, this is my answer to that. <laughs> um, some of these are, are sort of recycled from Quora. So just new slants on them. Now I've got better understanding, I suppose, if they've been written years back, for example. Um, and others are just done live when uh, we'll get there. Hopefully, hopefully get some callers involved, some voice messages and, and see where we are. So standard disclaimer, I'm not a shrink. I'm not a counsellor. Um, these answers are just from my perceptive experience and are my own opinion. They therefore are not fact. So if anything piques your interest, what I always recommend anyone to do is to do their own research. Absolutely do your own research. Deep dive something if it piques your interest. Okay, so there we go. Now then, question number one of episode two. It's a good one, I think. Why is the narcissist not aware of their lack of empathy? Wow. Sorry if that whistle just blew your eardrums out. But narcissists in general, they'll, well, they just aren't aware, period. And what you've experienced with them as an adult, they've learned from having it done to them as a child in some way. It's one of the tragic facts of knowing a narcissist. One of the main things, if you remember from episode one, is that at their core, they can't self-soothe or manage their own emotions. And as adults, like children, everyone around them is responsible for that. They're responsible for their happiness, their sadness, their anger and their frustrations. It's not them, not ever. As it's very much everyone else's fault always. And the damnedest part is that it is it's not all lies or fakery. This, this might be a stretch, but the worst narcissists really do believe, um, like you do, that what they're feeling is just and um, is, 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 is right. Uh, and they think they're right because um, really it's what they've only ever known since about four. And empathy really was never a facet of life like it was for you. But paradoxically, um, they kind of know what it is because it's the fuel they deeply desire and really, again, it's quite tragic, but really it's only because it was missing since childhood. Now, it's completely understandable to get frustrated when they show no empathy at all, but really it's like going to the deepest Amazon with a microwave oven and being flustered when the locals don't know how to use it. If they've never been shown how to make a jacket spud in eight minutes, how will they know in that moment what to do? So when in that moment with most narcissists is that's when you see the mask fall when they're being asked to microwave a jacket potato or manage their own emotions. I mean, think it through some. When, when they've lost it, I'll better, I don't know, a kidney? <laughs> that it's at the point where you may have expected some sort of empathy during a fight. And that's because they only ever be about self, right? So when they're required to soothe you, which is completely alien to them, it's like an alarm goes off in their tiny head. It's like, but if I'm soothing you, who's going to soothe me? Cue the drums and fake accusations, distractions or total drama until you capitulate and soothe them. There you go. Hope that lands. That's a really quick answer. <laughs> <coughs> All right, let's just do another one. Um, 
Oh, so this is about dating actually. So this is this is reasonably reasonably good question if you know everyone's coming out of lockdown. Um, hopefully, if you're brave and brave enough to get into the dating scene and whatnot. So, how can you tell in a phone conversation with an online match if he or she is a narcissist? Or rather, can you tell in a phone conversation with an online match if he or she is a narcissist? Well, yes, you can. Um, it's really easy. You just simply watch for continual interruptions, right? So a narcissist can't resist controlling you and dominating that conversation. So just watch for that. They'll be interrupting you, even on the phone. <clears throat> Validation. So during the chat, um, you should test the water. So you should own something that you've done, and honestly, or make it up even, that something that maybe ails you. Like breaking someone's heart, perhaps, that you know you had a part in and you, you can, you've judged it for yourself, in other words, so you can reflect and re allocate your part in the, in the drama, whatever you portray. And, but, and then you observe, you observe their response to that ownership. Right, so the reason for that is if you've objectively balanced it and that you therefore know your part, watch them change that in a heartbeat by telling you that no way, that wasn't your fault, which they then ironically weaponize against you later on, even though you've owned it. That's a, that's a good one. In conversation then, you should be mindful of how long you're allowed to speak, um, you know, as I stated. For example, I, I once engaged with one narcissist, I guess, and after a few sort of late night phone calls, um, I mean really late, it was a good, there was a two-hour time difference, but I was by the by. It was still hours on the phone, but this was the takeaway. Um, after a few of those phone calls, I timed the whole thing. The, the next phone call, I sat with a stopwatch, and I sat just patiently listening and watching the stopwatch. And when I was able to speak, I would start the stopwatch. Okay, so the whole conversation was three hours and 38 minutes of chat. It was like a test of my narc diet. It was so ironically obvious. Oh, found me through Quora and stated to me that every, I mean, everybody around her was a narcissist. Everybody. Every single person in her life was a narcissist. I shit you not. I mean, what does that mean? That means she's the narcissist, right? In more or less. <laughs> It'd be really, really, it, it's a rare phenomenon in narcissism, which we'll come to later on, but everyone was. So, in three hours and 38 minutes of chat, I spoke for a total of 21 minutes, not even in full sentences, because I was continually interrupted with a whole new topic that she wanted to talk about. So, and like I said, this person who was surrounded by narcissistic exes and everyone else and so, you then come to think of virtue signaling. So it's dating, right? So ask, ask lightly about any problem exes. And what's for the answers? It's as simple as that. Ask lightly about any pro have you got any, any problem exes in your past? And watch for the answers. If they're all bad, or if you feel you can't ask, well, just wait out. They'll eventually spill them victim blame. And my favourite, really, of all the tales is um, I call it the good night test. Uh, it's fail safe, believe me. Um, what you do is, at an appropriate time or when you are ready, and the earlier the better in the beginning, and you'll see why in a second. You simply end the conversation lightly and say words to the effect of, good night, I'm off to sleep now, it's tomorrow, I have a busy day. It's been lovely chatting, shall we do the same tomorrow evening? 
and simply observe the response that you get. You see, what you did there was you laid a very simple and polite boundary that a narcissist just can't resist. If they are narcissistic, you'll be on the phone a good while longer until they are ready for sleep. Hence why I try it earlier in the beginning because it can lead to a late night, either way. And in the morning, guarantee you'll be bombarded with sweet nothings which you'll ignore until evening when you're home and ready to communicate. Now, three simple steps to that boundary. And a NASA won't stand for it and you'll be unmatched quickly or you'll even be challenged as to why you are ignoring them or if not a narcissist and they wait patiently and you have the same level and keen engagement the next evening, then perhaps they are normal. So it fits both ways, just by laying a simple boundary you can sniff out who's good and who's bad. And the overall point here is to develop your own healthy boundaries and see if the narcissist breaks them, which they really do tend to do in all, in all eventualities. And you'll then know, the ones who respect the boundaries, well they could be the keepers. There you go. Two questions in one. Oh, again, this timing down. All right, gonna have a little break there and we're gonna come right back with a question about holidays. Hi there again. Okay, question three for this episode. Wow, really smashed them out. Hope you're enjoying this, by the way. <clears throat> if you have any questions or any suggestions, um, please drop a comment where you can, if you can. Um, just a simple question, and we'll answer it in the next the next episode, say, or when we can. So, this might resonate with a few people. Um, this is it's about vacations or holidays. So, when you and your narc, when you and your narc planned a vacation slash holiday. Were you ever allowed to choose the destination? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, not. I mean, no. So, let's see if this sounds familiar. This, this, this is an actual statement. Let's plan a holiday to this country abroad that I've already chosen. We can decide where we're going together. Okay, so far, right? Good so far. Here you go. I've narrowed it down to three nice options of places to stay. To stay. Let's choose one, and then they'll proceed to veto until they get the one that they wanted anyway. Which is kind of how they do the subtle, not-so-subtle stuff, and when things go wrong when on the vacation that they very much planned, they then have someone else to blame with abundant ease. I mean, I can't imagine living a life that way. It must be exhausting, plotting and planning all those unnecessary control measures, measures just to get your way, without ever considering that simply asking for what you want may well be easier, but... So the narsole, asking for what they want, can lead to a resolute no from their partner, which leads to potential mass slippage. So, for them, they see these elaborate manipulations, for things even as simple as holidays, as the only way. Wow, an under two minute answer. Holidays. Let's do one more. Okay, so, welcome back. Oh, I know you probably didn't go anywhere, it was me that went. So, I'm welcoming myself back. Welcome back, Nelly. So maybe, maybe we've all thought this at some point. Um, depends how committed we were with our narcissist. But the question is, if you are emotionally mature and healthy, if you have high self-esteem and you are confident, can you maintain a normal long-term relationship with a narcissistic person? If you are emotionally mature and healthy, have high self-esteem and you are confident, 
Can you maintain a normal long-term relationship with a narcissistic person? I mean, that's a nice question. And what I would say is a few right back at them questions. Like, what is your definition of normal? Um, if their normal includes the daily violations of an arsehole and diabolous behaviours, then yeah, absolutely normal can be achieved. Do they have the emotional maturity to have enough emotional maturity for two people? Can they soothe everything that ails the other person which they'll somehow make their fault? Do they have enough self-esteem to brush off the potential cheating, the lies and attempted manipulation? How's the confidence going to hold up against the sustained gaslighting to enable only their agenda and their narrative? So when you eventually challenge them because you're so strong and you know confident, so you will, how peaceful do you think the dynamic will be? You in your truth and confidence and them in their victimhood with nothing but the output of a toddler having a tantrum when emotionally challenged, of which they'll decide what constitutes said challenge and in any given moment. And it'll eventually be you simply saying a reasonable and quite resolute, no dear. To be blunt, if you do have emotional maturity, high self-esteem and are confident, why, why the heck would, would, would a person like that want to be involved with a narcissist in the first place? You've got to assume though that maturity, esteem and confidence come with a balanced mentality and intellect and absolutely no codependency at all, and they're normal is as above being abused, then they'll be golden, won't they? They should have fun. They should also remember that confidence when they realise what it really is taking on them um, and really what they're inviting into their life, love and psyche. Ooh, one more. One more. Random selection. How do you actually forgive someone without thoughts of mentally killing, harming or verbally abusing that person? <sighs> Forgiveness. How do you actually forgive someone without thoughts of mentally killing, harming or verbally abusing that person? Well, you've clearly got to forgive yourself first. I mean, that sounds odd, doesn't it? But just think about it for a moment or two. We've all got our crosses to bear. We've all got our own guilt and our own past traumas. Some people have volumes like an encyclopedic knowledge of very real pain. When others hurt us to the point of needing forgiveness, what we're often doing is part actual hurt from the perpetrator and part remembering all of our own past pain, hurt, trauma and guilt. And then actually sadly holding the person who needs his forgiveness now completely accountable in the present moment. It's really kind of why blazing arguments happen. You see, both parties are not really dealing with the present menial issue, which won't really matter in a few days perhaps anyway. Rather, both are dug into their own past traumas and are now excitedly and often unknowingly holding each other accountable for them. It's mind-blowing, really, but if you don't know it's happening, if it's not pointed out, if there is no self-awareness, then, well, it'll never be addressed, and it's probably why so many people seem embattled and quite bitter. Now, I'm not taking anything away from anyone's experience of abuse. I mean, I never would. I'm merely trying to get people to focus on the present and realise how events of our own pasts, or the past traumas we experience, are directly affecting our present, and really, if not addressed, will also affect futures as well. So, by my reckoning and my two pence worth, it is worth a consideration. Going deep on your own life then will lead you to huge life-changing things like forgiving your inner child, maybe even accepting your parents' mistakes if there were any, or you perceived them, and forgiving them, perhaps in the clearing out the karmic cycles to name a few eternal benefits for your soul and present life, and moreover, you'll recognise your own self-worth. You may even just see how broken the person requiring forgiveness is by doing the self-work first and foremost, and then 
Kelly and Harmon are verbally abusing that person could conceivably become forgiveness and sympathy. Because at that point you'll be healed, you'll be healed, or you'll be healing your own wounds and then something properly cool can happen to you. Those dickheads that drive you to these thoughts simply won't matter anymore. And you'll see behind the veil and so their irrational and often diabolical behaviours, well, they just won't trigger you and then you won't feel any pressure to come to forgiveness. And at its base level here, if you are in the mindset of mentally killing, harming or verbally abusing the person, then quite clearly you are no way near ready for forgiveness. And so you could just let it all fester and hope for the best that those thoughts pass with time. But I guarantee that now as before, these triggering things will happen again and again. That's why it's called a cycle, really. And why doing the work that matters towards self would be the preferred route. For your soul's sake, really. I mean, don't let, don't let the, don't let the darkness win. All right, last one. The last one for this episode is a biggie. This episode, isn't it? I think. How do you deal with a friend who constantly gaslights you? Tee. How do you deal with a friend who constantly gaslights you? Well, <clears throat> kiss, right? Keep it simple, stupid. I do like to simplify things somewhat. And for me, a friend who constantly gaslights you isn't your friend. You, rather, are his or her friend. <clears throat> and quite probably always have and will be. And the gaslighting is quite likely elicited when you, as a chum, are getting close to their truth, perhaps, which they hold closest to their chest, lest the real then be revealed and the mask crashes, etc, etc. Yeah, sure, you know, you can get bogged down with how to manage this person, how to understand them and how to deal with them, as you put it, but the crux of the matter is that they, as a friend, gaslight you, which is lying and altering your perception of events and reality itself. Then really objectively ask yourself if this is a friend. They clearly know no boundaries and you simply accept or have accepted the gaslighting lies for a while, so make a simple choice by deciding what exactly you want in a friendship. For me, I like friends who, like myself, show no judgement no matter what's being discussed. Someone I can trust my darkest thoughts or the quirky traits of my personality with, perhaps. Someone that doesn't drive me to ask questions on Quora, perhaps, about their diabolous behaviours. Someone who knows I have their back and definitely not someone who tries to alter my perception of events and, their, and the general reality I live in. You see, trust is key here. Can you trust a person who lies to you regularly, no matter the causation? And that is how to deal with a friend who thinks it's okay to fuck with you mentally. You recognise the issue, as you have. You realise it's a one-way street friendship, because they gaslight and make you question your reality. And you make a judgement call then on what you want from a friend. If by some miracle or stretch this person still fits the bill of your friendship, then, you know, maybe ignore what they are and take a deep look at what you are, which could be a touch of the codependent nature going on, given you refer to a person who's malignant enough to trip your reality and bring you here asking this question as a friend. I mean, just saying. Anyway, hope that helps. So, several questions there. Let's smash it together in one big episode. Thank you all again for tuning in. Um, the next next episode... We're going to be taking a look at some of the most random things I've been asked on uh, Quora. Um, really, still surrounding narcissism because you can see how the mind of a narcissist works. So these would be the questions asked by what I would guess at as being a narcissist. Okay, thank you again for tuning in. Catch you next time on Narsola Lonely Monster, Narsola Escape Tools. Take care. Bye-bye.